You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to The Boutique with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that aren't familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community to help you grow, scale, and exit your firm bigger and faster. My name's Greg Alexander, I'm the founder, and I'll be your host today. And on this episode, we're gonna talk about culture, and we're gonna do so with our friend and member, Mike Sullivan. Mike, it's good to see you, and would you please properly introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, hey Greg, good to see you too. So I'm Mike Sullivan president and CEO of the Loomis Agency uh, here in Dallas, Texas, and I've uh, occupied this seat for 20 years, if you can believe it. (laughs) Wow. And what does the Loomis Agency do? Well, we call ourselves a challenger brand advertising agency, and what that means uh, specifically is that we specialize in the the unique needs uh, of challenger brands, and challenger brands are defined as really classically any brand that isn't number one Hmm. in its market. But it goes well beyond that too, and and we can have a discussion around that if you like. But okay. that's that's what we do. Great. So you've been around twenty years, which is fantastic, and that's proof that whatever it is you're doing is working. <laughs> yeah. um, what role has culture played for you over the years in growing and scaling and sustaining your for, your firm's performance? Yeah. So the, the firm has actually been around thirty five years. So oh, wow. my, my partner Paul Loomis. Uh, uh, I joined him in uh, the year 2000. Um, I came in as president, and culture was something that um, I think Paul, you know, when he, when he thought about culture, he thought about you know, yogurt. You know, I mean, nobody was talking about <laughs> culture. You know, nobody was talking about the the team member experience, if if you will. And uh, and that's no slight on Paul. I mean, nobody was. You know, yeah. and really in the 90s, it just wasn't uh, the topic du jour, but it, it is now, obviously. Um, and so when I came in, you know, the, the agency was in a very different place. It was much smaller. Um, there was no intentionality uh, behind hiring and bringing the right folks in. It was just, can you do this job? Good, go do it mm-hmm. kind of thing with no guidance beyond that. And I began to slowly shape and shift that based on my own guiding principle for the agency, which was simple. I just wanted to create the kind of employment environment where people look forward to going to work on Monday morning, Mm -hmm. you know, no Sunday night blues. And so, so that's kind of where it started, but it's, it's obviously become far more than that. I mean, today we're, I think uh, seven time best places to work morning news, Dallas business journal. Um, I think culture is a real, uh, differentiator for our agency, and we can talk about that. But there's your short answer. Yeah, anyway. yeah. C- congratulations. You know, and the the agency world, unfortunately, I would say over the years has earned a reputation for not having great cultures. It can be yeah. a little uh, transactional and lots of burnout. But clearly, if you're winning these types of awards, that that that's not the case with you, and maybe that's why uh, you guys are standing out the way that you are. When I think about culture, I think about everything you just said for sure, and it's mission critical, but I'm always putting it in the context of how does it, how does it help me scale my firm? And one of the ways that it does is that when you get to a certain side, size, the founders, the partners can't be everywhere at all times. And there has to be this thing called, this is the way we do it around here. And I know that sounds crazy, but you know, yeah. 
things get done a certain way without, you know, bureaucracy, like procedures and policies. It just, this is the way we do things. Has that happened at your firm? It, it absolutely has happened. And, and Greg, it starts with identifying the, the kind of team members you want to have uh, inside your organization, really, you back it all the way back up to, you know, sort of vision, values, mission, that sort of thing. And then you go and you find people who fit that and you don't get it right, you know, right off the start. You may, you may yeah. get one that works well and maybe one that doesn't, but you, you tune that over time. Um, and because culture is, yeah, it's all the things that we say and, and, and write down and talk about, this is what we stand for. But it's really even more than that. It's it's all the unwritten, unspoken, unsaid things. And so that that creates that, that replication that I think you're speaking of. So good things get replicated in a culture, bad things get replicated in a culture. So the intentionality around that is really important. And so when you're applying that to the hiring environment, it's, it's really important to get that right. And I, I keep coming back to hiring because I, I just think it, obviously it all starts with the people, yeah, you know, those are creating the culture and sustaining it and rebuilding it. Yeah. And it's a living thing. It's not static. Yeah. You're right. It does come back to the people and, and you do your best in the interview process to select the right people based on a set of values. But it is an imprecise science, and sometimes you're going to yeah. get those things wrong. And, and the culture has to accept or reject people as they come into the organization so it stays consistent. And you know you have a strong culture when that's happening. You know, you mentioned the word vision, which is a favorite word of mine, and that is, you know, you're creating a vision of the future, the aspirations of the firm. Sometimes I think our members, which are partners and founders of boutique firms, you might even call them challengers, Mike, in your world. <laughs> Sometimes they, they failed to connect the vision with an individual. So if I'm an employee, how do I contribute personally towards the accomplishment of the vision? And when I do so, you know, what's in it for me? Yeah. Sometimes that's missing from these vision statements. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I agree completely. Uh, you know, team members need to, and that, and that's why this is such a big, big part of what we do walking in the door. We've got this little, actually this little purpose book. You know, wow. I talk about this in terms of, oh, it's got our vision, our values, our mission, all that stuff. You know, we like to say we are, uh, let's see, uh, uh, using creativity in service of capitalism, you know? And so what is it that, you know, our, our folks are doing on a daily basis to help advance um, the, uh, and help create the business app impact that we're trying to create for our clients and getting them connected to that, talking about this, getting them excited about this. Like we've got a series of work, a challenger workshops that we, we do in the agency. We get people enrolled in it. They need to understand that, you know, our agency's positioning is connected to our vision and that is helping challengers win, you mm -hmm. know, don't outthink the comp, don't outspend the competition, outthink them, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but but yeah, people on the team need to understand it, which I think is you know the first objective, making sure that everybody has a shared understanding of what the vision is, and then understand how they can contribute to it. You know, at the end of the day, in a in a good high performing culture, people feel like a they belong, uh, and b they have a purpose and they are connected to. And sometimes I think we think in terms of purpose, like it's a big grandiose purpose. No, my purpose in this organization is to help do these things so that we can accomplish this on behalf of our client. Yeah. You know, utopia, which or perfection, which none of us obtain, but this is what we're shooting for, is this concept of a self-governing culture. 
a self-governing team. And what that means is that the culture is reinforced through behaviors that get rewarded, behaviors that get punished, but it's not this kind of top-down, you know, dictator-driven, founder-driven way. It's almost bottoms up where people are policing themselves, so to speak, which makes the job of the founder or the partner so much easier. Has your firm reached that level or have you gotten close to that? And and what are your maybe general thoughts on this concept of a self-governing culture? Okay, so yeah, absolutely. Self-governing, I have a little trouble with because I think it's a, because maybe it implies to me a little bit of tuning out from leadership, which can never happen. Mm-hmm. Leadership's really got to be tapped into uh, and, and connected to the culture. Uh, leaders are so important uh, for setting the tone and the pacing culture. Again, it's what's said, what's done. Um, if am I being congruent with the things that I say? Mm-hmm. Believe me, people are, are watching that. Um, but yes, definitely. Once your culture becomes, uh, I think, good and stable and sounding consistency uh, across time is important and you invite the right people in to help you continue to perpetuate that. Yeah, it becomes self-sustaining in that respect. Uh, absolutely. And it's amazing. You know, when you even the healthiest cultures, we've got 65 people, I think when you just get one higher wrong, you know, it's, it's amazing the disturbance that that causes, <laughs> you know, and, and again, it becomes, and I like to say, look, if it's not a fit, you're going to glow in the dark, you know, and, and you do. And so it becomes a self-selecting culture in that respect too. I love that. You know? If it's not a fit, it's going to glow in the dark. That's a really great yeah. way of saying that for sure. It's, and you're right. I mean, one or two people out of 65 can make a difference surprisingly, but it does because it, it's just a ripple effect is, is really something. Another topic on culture I find intriguing, particularly for boutique firms, firms like yours, is sometimes it tends to be a dominant department or a dominant function. Like in my old firm, the rainmakers, they they kind of ruled the place. And everybody else took took the lead from them. And and that was the right thing for us. It's not the right thing for everybody, but it was the right thing for us. Is there a function in your firm that is kind of the lead horse, so to speak, and sets the tone, or is it more kind of, um, you know, democratic? You know, that's a great question, Greg. And I believe in our firm that we're pretty even with respect to that. There's the, it, very often in the ad agency world, you'll find a shop that is, we'll say, it's a creative driven agency, and so the creative sort of rule the roots. Exactly. You know, and, many agencies that have that kind of reputation or it's an account driven, you know, and it's, geez, you know, the account people are, are running the show, uh, sales driven organizations. That too is a culture, you know, that, that is the culture. Um, I don't believe that we're, uh, oriented in any one particular fashion, but that's always something to, to check in on. And, and, uh, you know, you don't want to overweight, uh, you know, one group uh, at the expense of another, because again, that creates uh, disharmony, you yeah. know, uh, it, it, you're not uh, optimized. A lot of times, and I think this is really true for founders, you know, my background, for example, is account service and strategy. And so early in my career and early when I started doing this, I really did, you know, I was a little heavier on that side yeah. of things and uh, maybe appreciating more what the account team was delivering and how hard their job was. Well, I had to even that that out my own approach i had to check in and go wait a minute my media group my creative group you know the folks work in production uh, all of this thing makes the band work it's not you know uh, the the, any one component of it so my own journey is something similar 
you know, I was I was in the Rainmaker group, and I hired in my image, and the Rainmaker group became the dominant group. And I ran into a scalability problem because most of my team at that point didn't truly understand what was required to scale. And what I mean by that is we would just go out and sell work, and we wouldn't yep. think about how we were going to deliver that work and the impact that had on profitability. And it wasn't until those people got promoted to the partnership tier and they were equity owners and they understood how things flowed through a P&L did they change their opinion on things. Oh, I don't want to sign that piece of work because that actually is going to cause us harm. But that type yeah. of client and that piece of work makes a lot more sense to us. So maybe maybe, maybe sometimes that's just a, a function of maturity and uh, where a firm is in their developmental cycle. I think so, Greg, um, and and the leadership. I was very much like that. You yeah. know, new business guy, it's like, gosh, you know, I mean, <laughs> just go up, get new business. It'll, you know, revenue takes care of everything. It's, it's it can cause a lot of challenges. And, and uh, thankfully, my executive creative director, Tina Tackett, who's been with us for, she started the same day I did, you know, wow. 20 years ago. She's, she has uh, tamed me appropriately, you know, <laughs> and, and I have a, a complete, and uh, I think the kind of respect for the process, as it were, uh, that, you know, a younger Mike Sullivan just never would have comprehended. It took a while, but I yeah. definitely got it. Yeah. So your firm is winning awards for a great place to work. Um, you know, you have cultural artifacts like your bookie just showed me, which is great. Um, I would suggest to the audience that you have an advanced perspective on culture, which is probably the reason why you're having so much success. How do you, this would be my last question. There's only so many hours in the day and you're running a substantial firm. You probably have a to-do list the size of Texas and you can just only get to so many things. So, so where does culture fall from a priority perspective and, and how do you allocate time towards it? You know, Greg, honestly, for me, it's number one. Wow. I mean, it all, it really is number one. In fact, here's the other book, you know, uh, the voice of the underdog, how challenging brands create distinction by thinking culture first. I'm always thinking about this stuff, you know, because I, I believe that uh, if you get culture right, uh, it does allow you to scale. Um, for instance, uh, you know, we our average tenure among our employees is uh, almost three times the industry average. As a result, our average client tenure is three times the industry average. Mm -hmm. That creates a stability mm -hmm. and a smoothness in the organization that you don't always find in the agency world. And I think there's just so many cascading advantages uh, that spill from that. Um, and it's... Uh, like I said, I, I, it's the number one thing that I, I think I think about. Yeah, that's a bold statement. I know you got a lot to think about. The number one thing that's really strong. So give us the name of that book again. And, and if people want to read more about this, how do they find it? Yeah, it's the voice of the voice of the underdog. How challenger brands create distinction by thinking culture first. And they so, can and find that online. Mike Sullivan and Michael Tuggle. Yeah, it's on Amazon. You know, Great. like good stuff. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and if members want to find you personally and uh, reach out to you, read about you, where, where can they right. do that? So um, they can certainly shoot me an email at mike.sullivan at thelumisagency.com. That is our URL, thelumisagency.com. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to talk to folks about this. This is one of, like I said, it's my favorite topic, you know, from a business standpoint. Yeah. So. All right. Well, listen, you're a great member. We're lucky to have you. Thank you very much for being here today. I really appreciate it. 
And thanks, Greg, so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Okay. And for those that want to learn more about this subject and others, you can pick up our book called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm, which I'm proud to say just hit uh, bestseller status on Amazon in our little niche. Um, So you can find it there. And then if you want to meet other great people like Mike, consider joining our mastermind community, which is collective54.com. Okay, thanks, everybody. And thanks again, Mike. Appreciate it. Goodbye. Okay, bye-bye.